0: that we're not just um, touched in revival, fresh anointing. Man, we desperately need that. But we also need to be established in the Word of God as well and have a good, healthy balance. So, Lord, I ask you for your grace right now that by your Holy Spirit there be an awesome anointing on this Word tonight and an awesome glory atmosphere of heaven to saturate this place and will continue to increase. And I pray, Lord, that because of the anointing, that your precious Holy Spirit, Father, would just lock everybody in. Those that are live streaming, those that are going to listen to this in the future through the website or podcast it. However, people hear that they would get locked in by the Holy Spirit to give you their best ear and full attention. And their minds are focused. And by your Holy Spirit, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. It wouldn't just be natural. It would be supernatural because the Holy Spirit is helping us to see and hear and understand what we cannot understand in the natural. And Lord, anoint our eyes, anoint our ears. And I pray that your word will go out like light, shining and dispelling any type of darkness or lies or deception of the evil one and expose things. The Bible says, have nothing to do with deeds of darkness, but rather expose it. That the light of truth would expose the darkness and dispel it out and bring breakthroughs. That your your word would be a hammer that shatters the strongholds, and a sword that cuts away what needs to go, worldliness, things that are not of you, just cutting out what needs to go. Lord, yes, a washing of the water of the word, but also we ask you that your word will go out of my mouth as living seeds of truth as you speak through me in the good, fertile soil of hearts and minds, watered by the Holy Spirit, and cause those seeds to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains. And Lord, I pray tonight That you would confirm your word with signs. Confirm the word with demonstrations of your power. That at the end of the word that people will receive such a fresh anointing. Be filled. Baptized in fire. Drunk in the spirit. Just totally just transform our lives tonight by the power of your Holy Spirit. We commit it to you Lord. We pray and believe we have it now. It's done. It's set in motion. We thank you, Lord, for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I am ready to preach this tonight. I'm talking about the prophetic ministry, dreams and visions. I don't want to recap too much, but remember Acts 2.17. God said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your um, old men dream dreams. Young men see visions. But it's, it's a release in these last days. I want you to take note of this. That there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And with that great outpouring of the Holy Spirit will come prophecy, dreams, and visions. But see, the true prophetic ministry is going to be linked to a move of God. It's going to be linked to revival. It just is. And a true revival will be linked to the prophetic. They go together. That's why you see true prophetic ministries that are out there. Not all of them are true, but those that are you can see that they have an indelible link to moves of God. Brother Zach, are we good to go? Everything's good? All right. So let me go ahead and dive into this. (coughs) 1 Samuel 3, 1, right before God brought Samuel into the earth, the children of Israel had gone into a spiritual decline, and the Bible shows us that there was no widespread revelation. People were hungry for the word of the Lord. Lamentation two nine, during times of decline spiritually, there's no vision from the Lord. Amos eight, eleven through twelve. This is concerning because in Amos it talks about there would come a time when there would be a famine in the land, and what was the famine? From hearing the word of the Lord. And I believe that in many ways. Now please hear what I'm saying, because there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of preaching and teaching across the world. There really is, but I still believe there's a spiritual famine because it cannot just be just, you know, um, encouraging speeches or just feel good. It, it's got to be the Word of the Lord, which yes will edify, encourage, and build up. But it'll also rebuke and correct. Amen. It's the it's the whole Word of the Lord. It's it's The word of the Lord that brings strength. And it's the word of the Lord that is revelation. Rhema. Okay, what is the Holy Spirit speaking? So during dry times, the word of the Lord can be so precious to us. And these dry times that everybody goes through are just seasons. And these seasons change. Remember, a tree looks different at different seasons. So you'll see a tree in a certain season like fall. And it looks really barren. But you come back in the springtime and that same tree will look really full of leaves and, and life and fruitfulness. And you know, there will be a beauty about it. So we all go through seasons. And whenever there's a dry season in our lives, many times the Lord will give us a word to hang on to. And that word is so precious. We've got to hang on to it. I'm going somewhere tonight with all this. All right. Jacob at Bethel. We know the story. Jacob probably did not really know the Lord that well up until this point because he had not had a personal encounter with God. How many knows that you can grow up in church, and I've seen people do it. I have grew up with people that their whole life they went to church, and right now they're on their way to hell. You've got to have a personal encounter with the Lord. Are you all hearing me? Because this is important. There's people it, going to church is one thing, But you've got to have some kind of encounter with God. And I remember there there were people, I grew up in a a church out in East Texas, and there were people that I went to church with literally my whole junior high, high school, all of those many, many years. There were people that had been at that church before I got there that were there as little children and grew up their whole lives in church, 18, 19 years of their life. They were in church. You know, when they were little, they'd crawl around under the pews, you know, and and pick at the gum and listen to the sermon, all the stuff little kids do in church. But they were there their whole lives. And now they're lost. They're in the world. They're not only out of church, they're away from God. They're living in sin. And if they were to drop dead, they wouldn't be in heaven. What happened? They never had an encounter with God for themselves. It's not religion that saves you. It's a relationship. So you've got to have an encounter with the Lord. And that's why I believe God is doing these last days. He's going to reveal himself in an awesome way. There are people, you know, we're praying and our prayers are not in vain. We're praying for the Muslims. And it's interesting because it's very difficult for missionaries to get into some of these places, like Iran and different places in the Middle East, because of the widespread persecution that even um, their judicial system and their military and their, their police will arrest and imprison and kill people for being Christian. So it's difficult... For missionaries to be able to get in there and to really do a lot that they want to do. But isn't it so powerful that here we are praying for them and there's report after report. And there's so many of these reports that it's beginning to be mind boggling of Jesus Christ himself coming and revealing himself to the Muslims. There's, there's literally, I, I would assume, thousands of stories where people were praying to Allah and all of a sudden Jesus showed up and told them, I am the truth, follow me. And all these Muslims get saved. What's happening is, is that the Lord sees it's difficult for the missionaries to be able to get in there. So he says, I'll just come and show up. Because people are praying. Those souls are brought into the kingdom because we pray Him in. I can't emphasize that enough. The Bible says, if you sow in tears, you reap with joy. Remember Rachel telling that story, that guy came in. Y'all read it? Came into where she was at and yelled out real loud about he had some vodka bottle. And he said he was addicted and wanted to be free and all this stuff. And then he came and plopped down by Rachel who gave him the gospel. That type of stuff doesn't just happen. That wasn't just some random thing that this guy comes in and starts yelling about wanting to be free, you know, gives his vodka ball, somebody dump it out, and goes and sits by Rachel, of all people. You know? So, I mean, that was something that was interceded, probably, either there in Finland with our missionaries or one of you intercessors, probably birthed that in prayer, and you didn't even know it. Some of the Muslims, that you have no idea there's how many of them were birthed in somebody's prayer closet that was travailing and groaning in intercession for their soul. So Jacob had never really, as far as we know in the Bible, had an encounter with God up until this point. Abraham had had a powerful encounter with God. Isaac had had his encounters with God. But now it was time for Jacob. And Jacob, up until this point, had been a manipulator with the help of his mother And he was not serving the Lord. He went out on a journey to find a wife. He was going to his Uncle Laban's house. And he laid down in Bethel. Laid down, put a rock under his head. I always joke about Jacob was a a tough camper. You know, you hear about these guys that go out, you know, and they've got all these modern conveniences. Jacob laid his head on a rock, man. You know what I'm saying? He was a tough camper. But he was going through the wilderness and he was going to, um, to see his Uncle Laban. And while he went to sleep, his head on a rock goes to sleep. He has this dream. This was Jacob's encounter with God. He had a dream, and in this dream, it was more than a dream. It was really happening. But he saw an open heaven. There was like a portal, an opening, and there was a ladder, and there was angels that were coming down that ladder, and then angels that were going up that ladder. And Jacob woke up from that dream and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and he called it Bethel. You know what had happened was Abraham had been there years before. And even though Abraham, when he was there years before, he had built an altar to the Lord and had prayed and worshiped God there and it created an open heaven, a portal. You know, when God visits a place, it'll never be the same. And once Abraham had been there and he built that altar and he prayed and and he shed that blood of that sacrifice and that blood hit that ground, that ground was never going to be the same. And how was Abraham to know that, you know, Jacob would come many years later and sleep in that spot? I wonder how many times we walk into things and we have no idea who's gone before us and prepared so many things. You know, there's a a preparing that goes on in the spirit realm where there's great moves of God. I remember the great Cambridge revival that that probably you've never even heard of. It happened um, in the early 1800s. Great move of God. Uh, One atheist had went there. And said that when the Holy Spirit moved, he was watching thousands of people at one time just collapse during the power of God. And he was back as a skeptic. And he said he started shaking and crying under the power. And his knees were knocking together. And he just felt like he was going to collapse. And how many knows you don't forget things like that. And, um, And John Kilpatrick went many years later to that same spot, to that soil. And he said that when, when he got on that soil, I heard this. At, this is kind of happened to me at Brownsville. I heard this after the fact. He said when he went on to that soil to preach or minister, whatever he was doing, he said he felt fire shoot up from that ground on his feet. See, once an area has been touched like that, and will never be the same, it's important to map out areas that you're going to confront. Maybe the, the satanic that's there, that's important. But also you ought to map out areas and find out where God has moved previously as well and tap into that. Is this making sense? So Jacob had his encounter with God and he it, God came to him in a dream. Many people in the Bible, God has come to them in dreams and in visions. And it totally transformed their life. Don't you think about Jesus appearing to the Apostle Paul people would say this was a vision because nobody else saw Jesus. But yet Jesus, he was there. And Paul was like he was at the time, Saul of Tarsus. He was bent on the destruction of the church. He was riding his donkey down the road of Damascus and he was going to imprison and kill Christians. That's what he was doing. He had people with him. He had the endorsement of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus showed up. Knocked him off his donkey. Listen, when Jesus shows up, don't be surprised that people can't stand. They get slammed to the floor. It happened to Paul. Jesus showed up. Wham! Paul hits the ground. He's blinded for three days. The other people didn't hear or see anything, but such fear came over them that they all ran away. (laughs) And Paul had this encounter with Jesus, but it was a vision. And think about it. The Apostle Paul went from Saul to Tarsus to the Apostle Paul because of a vision he had of Jesus Christ and encounter with him. Isn't that powerful? I'm saying all this so that people will be open to God moving in that way. Because there's people that have been saved from having dreams and visions, encounters with God, and even in the nighttime. Remember Smith Wigglesworth, there was a woman whose husband was a total heathen. But Smith was in the area preaching, true story, and um, the woman, he, back then especially, men of God would stay with families that were a part of the church. And this woman was a part of the church, but her husband wasn't. He was a total heathen. But, you know, they would allow him, Smith to come in and stay in the master bedroom and sleep there. And the wife took care of the needs would cook and things like that. Well, whenever Smith was to leave and go to the next place, that woman went up to him and said, Would you pray for my husband to be saved? And Smith just told her, said, don't change out the bedsheets or anything. Leave the bedsheets just like they are. Just leave them there. He gets up and leaves. Listen, when you've ministered under a mighty anointing, you remember Acts 19 where Paul said that um, uh, great miracles were done, that even handkerchiefs, aprons, and cloths, materials, where it was just different. See, back then it was hard to travel. So for somebody to be sick, it was hard to get them by whatever means to a faraway place where God's move is difficult. So people came to the apostle Paul and they took different handkerchiefs or whatever. And, uh, you know, they put him on him or he prayed for him or some kind of point of contact. The anointing got in that handkerchief. And whenever they go back, somebody was sick or was demon possessed. They would throw the handkerchief on. They'd be healed or delivered. Well, Smith had told this woman, said, don't change out the bed sheets. That night, her and her husband were asleep in that master bedroom. And she was awakened by some noise, and she looked over, and her heathen husband was kneeling by the bed like this and was, was praying, and she said, what are you doing? And uh, he said, I don't know. He said, all I know is that every time I try to go to sleep, I start having these visions of, of hell and fire and me going to hell, and I don't know. I just, I'm scared I need to get right with God. Isn't that something. That was a dream and vision of the night. What happened was the anointing that Smith was ministering under got down in those bed sheets, <laughs> and uh, that guy didn't realize it, but he was sleeping in the anointing, and uh, the Holy Ghost was messing with him, it was answering his wife's prayers, amen. But again, it was a dream and vision of the night. Or right, let me give you a few things next week I'm going to talk about symbolism how do you actually interpret dreams so you all be here for that okay a lot of people come to me with dreams quite regular and um, I'll I'll do my best to give them an interpretation but if you understand symbolism you can understand a lot of what dreams mean there's been several dreams either my wife daughter or myself have had and as we got the interpretation it was very powerful and very helpful so I'm going to teach on that next week about dream symbolism how do you interpret dreams But today, I want to deal with the true prophetic ministry, okay? Let me give you some basic rules here. Number one, never, ever base doctrine on some revelation that you've had like dreams or visions. Either the dream or vision will line up with doctrine, or it was not of God. Y'all hear me? You don't ever change sound doctrine... Because of some supposed dream or vision that you had. Doctrine is established. You know how the, um, the Mormon church got founded? Joseph Smith supposedly had some angel come to him, some vision. And out of that encounter with the saint, how many knows the devil comes as an angel of light? Okay, it's deception. Joseph Smith was out there. And this being came to him and gave him this weird doctrine. He accepted it. Brigham Young became, you know, with him in this and his brother Hiram. And basically, out of that evil encounter with an angel of light, this cult was formed. If he would have took this experience to the Bible, he would have discounted it. Do you know how the Muslim faith came into being? people just know about Muhammad and all that and his beliefs, did you know that Muhammad was met with some angel of light in a cave and that's how it started and out of this weird encounter with this being he come to understand that in Mecca that this thing showed him that Allah was the one true God so he went and kicked them all over and started worshipping Allah back then before Muhammad that you know, the Middle East was filled with all kinds of weird beliefs and religions and witchcraft and spiritism and stuff like that. But it goes back to some weird encounter, look it up yourself, that Muhammad had with some angel of light. You can never base sound doctrine on some kind of dream or vision. Remember that. If you have any type of vision, dream or any type of revelation, it better line up with the word of God and sound doctrine, and you better throw it out if it don't. Because if you stay along that line of thinking, it will take you into great deception. There's people right now in the day and hour that we live that have been powerfully touched in revival. But yet, they have had some kind of supposed revelation, and other prophets and and fathers of the faith have tried to tell them, listen, you're getting off. But they didn't want to listen. They rebelled, and they went after this supposed revelation that they had, and now they're... They're very weird in their beliefs. Or right, another thing. Be very careful about making life-altering decisions just on a dream or vision, especially from somebody else. I'm talking about life-altering decisions. You don't marry somebody because somebody else had a dream. Okay, You hear from God. I remember one time I was at Christ for the nations and um, I love that school it's a great place God moves it's awesome but I was there one time we were, we were praying and ministering and you know sometimes God is using me in the prophetic or whatever and this guy um, there was a worship band that was up there and the lead, lead singer is this really pretty young lady and this guy comes up to me he's like hey so I want you to pray for me so I, I really feel like God's spoken to me I'm supposed to marry that lady up there and it's like Okay, you know, basically what he was trying to get me to do, he was trying to get me to prophesy that he was supposed to marry that girl so he could go up to her and tell her that. That's what he was trying to do. Don't get sucked into stuff like that. I was like, look, I'll pray that God speak to you and speak to her. All right? That's what I prayed. But don't make life altering decisions unless you know you've heard from God because other people and I'm going to read a story out of the Bible here in a minute. Other people can lead you astray if you're not careful. Never base, another thing, never base sound doctrine on one scripture. (laughs) You know how many people do that? They take one scripture. I mean the Bible, 66 books of the Bible. I mean there's a lot of scriptures and they'll take one little scripture they so want the bible to say what they want it to say it's they just man they long for that so they'll find some scripture that they can read into it that is exactly what i want it to say right there and they'll take that out and then they base this whole doctrine now on what they want it to say i'm telling you there's people that do it all the time the bible will interpret the bible and if it's sound doctrine it will it will be a common thread throughout the whole scriptures you will be able to see it in other places of the bible you'll be able to look at the different nuances from the old to the new and it's going to be a common theme it's not some isolated scripture taken out of context y'all hear me all right so what's the difference between dreams and visions dreams are usually very metaphoric they're hard to understand they can be very weird. And, you know, they're just full of symbolism. And the thing about dreams is they are anything but plain. <laughs> they're not, there's nothing plain about it. And when you get a dream from the Lord, and it's really from the Lord, it's usually going to be waking up going, what in the world does that mean? Okay? Okay. And the Bible, I love the scripture, it says "the it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of a king to search it out. So those of us that, that God's speaking to in dreams, you, you've got to search it out. Don't just forget it. You need to document it so you don't forget it and search it out. Okay. Another thing is the difference between dreams and visions. Visions seem to be a little more plain. Like when you have a vision a lot of times a true vision will be more in the line of understanding what it means because it's pretty not necessarily self-explanatory not necessarily on that level but it's it can be a lot more easy to understand than a dream like in the bible for example already gave the story about peter remember he had the, the vision. the sheet came down open up there were the unclean animals god said kill and eat don't call unclean what i've called clean it wasn't really that hard to understand that God was talking about the Gentiles coming into the faith. But then, you take a dream in the Bible, where you have a big statue that has a golden head, arms of silver, a waist of bronze, legs of iron, and toes of iron and clay. What does that mean? So it took God, speaking to Daniel, to give that Understanding to Nebuchadnezzar. It had to be interpreted. It had to be something that was really sought out. And you know, the king, or Pharaoh, he really sought the matter out. He wanted to know. He said, I know that this dream is significant. I want to know what it means. I'm going to search until I find the meaning. So usually, visions are a little bit easier to understand, but dreams can be very complicated. So it's really good to document these things so that you can go back and pray over them, get other people to pray over them. And once I teach next week on symbolism, hopefully it will help you understand what God is speaking to you in dreams. How many of you guys feel like you have, have had a dream in your lifetime that was from God? You really believe God spoke to you? Most people. Those are live streaming. You know, you can just put up like a little, how would you type in the hand that goes up, whatever. There's something now that's coming up with the thumb up on Facebook. What is that? We'll see that come up, right? On the live stream, the thumb comes up. <laughs> the dreams and visions, so God speaks through them. And the Bible seems to indicate that in the last days, there's going to be more dreams and visions than probably has ever been. He said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. So there, there, right there you see that there's going to be a movement of prophecy among the younger generation. The Bible says that. And then it says that your old men dream dreams, your your young men have visions, so there's going to be a definite move of dreams and visions in these last days. It's going to be significant. So let me give you some different kinds of dreams. Last week I touched on this. When you're asleep at night, God is wanting your home That his glory is there in an awesome way. He really does. He wants you to saturate in his presence. He wants there to be um, angels around you to protect you. He wants your home to be filled with God's presence, his peace. He wants to be peaceful. And so before you go to bed, I recommend, I already touched on this last week, so I'm not going to dwell on it, but that you really pray before you go to bed over your home to be washed in the blood of Jesus and holy and just let the blood of Jesus just flush out anything, any pollution, Whatever might be there just and get it sealed off by the blood of Jesus and then you know you might put on some really anointed things to play but ask the Holy Spirit to come worship pray for a moment and get his presence he wants to be there he wants his presence there the Holy Spirit wants to to um, be upon you as you sleep and protect you and seal you off just picture like a blanket of fire coming over you the Lord wants that He wants that blanket of fire to be on you as you sleep. In that blanket of fire, in the glory, you can be saturating in that presence of God. And here's some things that will happen in the nighttime as you you pray about it and press into it. If people sit back and they say, well, I don't believe in that. I think it's stupid. I don't want it. It won't happen to you. But those that are like, Lord, I want more of you. I want you to be in my life when I sleep. I want to have encounters with you. I want dreams and visions. God's going to give that to you. Okay? But you'll have, first off, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, you're going to have the ministry of angels. And thirdly, you'll have revelation. Those are the three things. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of angels, and revelation. That can open up to you in the nighttime. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is where the Holy Spirit is cleansing, healing, strengthening, And breaking off you some things that need to go. Let me explain this a little bit. And also angels do something similar. But there's people all the time this happens. It's happened to me many times. I'm sure it's happened to you. Where you go throughout your day. And something that you're around. Especially ministers that pray for a lot of people. Okay. Things that you're around. Things that you touch. People that you're around or whatever. There can just simply be like a defilement. For example. Let's say that a Christian is just minding their own business, and there's somebody that comes in that, I mean, is extremely got a spirit of lust about him. and you talk to them for a few minutes, you shake their hand, going about your day, and you find yourself throughout your day all of a sudden having weird thoughts. You're like, where's this coming from? Lustful thoughts, things, what's going on? Why is this happening? And a lot of Christians that lack discernment start getting all self-condemning. You know, if I was really saved, this wouldn't be happening. If I was a good Christian, I wouldn't be going through this. Get over all that. It's just simply that there's some kind of pollution that tried to jump on you, okay? It's like if somebody came into a crowded hallway and vomited on the floor, it's going to splatter on some people's feet, okay? Then you go out, and and you're sitting there. You guys ever stepped in something? You know, you're sitting there, and you're like, what's that smell? You know, (laughs) it's kind of like that. All of a sudden, you, you're, you're. What's going on? What's that smell? There's something not right here. It's just simply that that there's been a pollution. So as you go to bed at night, you know you take time to get washed in the blood, and you lay down and you're in God's presence and the Holy Spirit, and if necessary angels just get that off you, just cleanse it right off. you. These are are cleansing dreams. The ministry of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of angels. Another thing is healing dreams. Self-explanatory, where God is moving in healing. There's been people that have had dreams or visions and they were totally, completely healed. There was a woman on the 700 Club telling a story. She had been crippled if I remember the details I've got the overall picture of this okay. but I don't know if I am remember every little detail but she had been so crippled up with arthritis that she was in like a frozen seated position in a wheelchair she was locked her bones had just locked up and she was in a lot of pain and she had basically gotten to where she was used to that but she loved the Lord and she would pray did you know that one day when she was praying She didn't get bitter about life. You know, she just loved Jesus, prayed, worshiped the Lord. That's important. But anyway, while she was praying one day and she was in that position, Jesus Christ showed up to her in a vision, touched her or spoke to her. I don't remember that, but he either spoke to her or touched her. She fell out of her wheelchair and got up completely healed. Her son had come in. And had to come over to check on her regularly and help take care of her. And there she was standing in the hallway. He couldn't believe it. He said, What happened? She said, Son, Jesus came. So oh, wow, you know. <laughs> but Jesus came in a vision. Healing visions, healing dreams. I believe sometimes <clears throat> you'll be asleep at night, you'll have some kind of dream or vision, and you'll wake up and you'll think, Man, that seems so real. You know what? It might have been real. You dream that maybe, you know, Jesus touched you or that there was an angel that prayed over you or something and you wake up and you're in the presence of God. It seems so real. It might have been real. Because, see, your body is asleep in this comatose state. Your mind, your soul area, that mind is unconscious. But your spirit, man, is wide awake. Remember that. That's why in the nighttime you can get these dreams and visions because your spirit is awake. And alert, and God can speak to you. He can speak to your spirit, and He can show you. See your inner. Let me let me explain this real fast. But your outer flesh you, is this is just a tent that's going to get old and die. This physical body, okay. And it, you see, you hear, smell, taste, and touch. It's just, but your soul area. Your soul is your mind. It's your personality. Your emotions. It's basically what makes you different from everybody else. It's your personality. It's who you are. Okay. That's your soul but your spirit man is just like what it says it's a spiritual body It's a, for the lack of a better way to explain it like people that say they saw a ghost okay it's an inner spirit man and that spirit man is just like your physical man your spirit man can see your spirit man can hear your spirit man can, can taste and smell and feel and that's why when the Holy Spirit comes in power a lot of times the first part of you to acknowledge that is your spirit. A lot of times when God is showing you something, you're actually seeing it with your spiritual eyes. When the Lord speaks to you in that still small voice, you're hearing it with your spiritual ears, with the ears of your spirit man. There's been people, and I've, I've had this happen several times too, that will smell something that's not natural. Natural. You especially experience things like that in deliverance when you pray for people. You can smell things. that. So I'm just saying that your spirit man senses in the spirit realm, and then your spirit man communicates that to your mind. So while you're asleep, your spirit man is picking up on this stuff and communicating it into your mind. So the great thing about this is, is, is God the Holy Spirit can bypass your flesh while you're asleep and go straight in to, like, your dreams, which that would be, I guess, the soul area, but go straight into your dreams. Or he can bypass your flesh and go straight to your spirit and show you visions that your spirit man sees. But he's bypassing your flesh. Is this making sense? All right, so healing dreams, destiny dreams. God will speak to people many times about their destiny. What are they called to do? He'll speak that to you in dreams and visions. He'll give warning and correction dreams. If you're going the wrong way in life, you're, if something needs to go out of your life, God will show it to you. There was a woman that, if I remember all of this exactly the way it was, but she had developed breast cancer. She was earnestly praying to be healed. And the Lord had given her a dream where she realized she needed to forgive somebody. And she did. And she was healed. But see, these dreams and visions, God will show you if there's a a door there or if there's something that you're going down a wrong path, God can show you in a dream or a vision that will turn it back the way it needs to go in your life. All right, so that leads me to direction dreams. Those of you that are familiar, the Apostle Paul, before I talked about earlier, he was a murderer. He was was imprisoning Christians. And the Christians were afraid of him. And here he was going from town to town. Well, Jesus appears to him, knocks him off his donkey, hits the ground. Now he's under the power, okay? He's blinded in the natural. You know why? Because Jesus was trying to show him that that religion that you're in is blinding you. And Jesus, he had this encounter with Jesus. Well, the Lord goes to a disciple, a man of God by the name of Ananias. Ananias received direction from a vision to go and lay hands on Paul to receive his sight. Now, Ananias was scared of Saul like everybody else and said, Lord, are you sure you want me to go to this guy because he's been imprisoning and and doing all these horrible things to Christians. But Ananias had received a vision from the Lord that he was to pray for Paul. And so they brought Paul to him, and he laid hands on him, and scales fell off his eyes, and he was healed. He could see instantly. And Paul was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues right there. Ananias prayed over him, laid hands on him. All of that happened... Because Paul had a vision of the Lord and Ananias had a vision. How many people did the Apostle Paul lead to Christ? But it went back to a vision of him having an encounter with Jesus and it went back to Ananias being obedient to the vision he had to pray for Paul. Amen? Another thing is intercession dreams, which I talked about last week. But God can give you a dream or a vision of the night where you have an incredible burden to pray for somebody, and you need to do that. You intercessors, if you ever get woke up in the middle of the night and you have a burden to pray, don't ignore it because it really could be very serious. It may be about a relative. maybe may be about somebody. You know, God may wake you up and you don't even really know the person, but you see him in a vision and you have this incredible burden to pray. You never know how serious it could be, life and death. So really get up and begin to pray. Pray in tongues. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you. All right, another thing that's interesting is darker gray dreams. These can be like second heaven or satanic revelations. God will expose things of the enemy. I love the story of Elisha. There was the king, I remember, I think it was Syria. But anyway, one of these heathen kings was setting up ambushes. And every time they set up these ambushes, Israel was waiting on it, you know. And the king lost his temper, was mad, and he called all of his, his uh, leaders to him. He said, which one of you guys are, you know, for Israel and leaking information to Israel, okay? And um, one of the servants spoke up and said, king, that's not the case. He said, there's a man by the name of Elisha. He's a prophet. And he's telling the king of Israel the very things you whisper in your bedroom in secret. So the king, thinking that he could mess with Elisha, got his little army together and And went to confront Elisha. And Elisha, you guys know the story. Elisha sees him up there. And his little servant that was with him was scared. So Elisha prayed for his servant's eyes to be able to see. And his eyes were open. And he saw flaming horses and chariots all around. And Elisha said, see, there's more that are for us than against us. And Elisha prayed, Lord, strike them blind. And you know what? Those people went into some stupor. And they were there, but they weren't there. They were just glazed over, you know. So Elisha goes over and he takes the king's horse and they're all following him. He takes them right into the Israeli camp right there or into town or whatever. And um, the point of all that is, without telling the whole rest of the story, is just simply that Elisha was discerning what the enemy was up to. God can give you revelation that will expose what the enemy is trying to do. Sometimes these dreams or these visions The reason why I say dark gray dreams or whatever is because, listen, sometimes it's not so much a dream that is being downloaded into your mind as much as it is the Holy Spirit is going to give you a vision where you're actually seeing what is going on. Those are two different things. Dreams seem to go into the mind, but visions a lot of times will be something that God is actually showing you. And so you can, God may show you, may open your eyes to be able to see spiritually into the darkness and he'll show you what's going on. And those type of dreams or visions rather can come in the form of like gray, dark type of dreams. Another dream is spiritual warfare dreams. There's people that have woke up, that have felt, man, I feel like I wrestled something all night. I don't know, I just... That can be literally that you were having, it could have been a dream, but also could have been a a vision, or literally it could have been that your spirit was interceding and praying, and and there was like a, a war going on in the night, and God was using you. Even though you're asleep, God can use you. I don't fully understand, I don't think anybody does. But while you're asleep, God can use you. And so you may be praying, your spirit man is praying or binding the enemy or whatever and there's something going on and you wake up and you feel tired you feel like you've been wrestling in the night those are spiritual warfare dreams or you may have an actual dream where there's a war going on or a vision God shows you of a war going on All right, another thing is deliverance dreams this is where God brings revelation that that will set people free There's people that have been frustrated about stubborn situations for a long time. They don't know what the key to their freedom is. And so the Holy Spirit may give somebody a dream. And in that dream, there's the key. And it's going to unlock their freedom. That is it. That's the key. And so they'll wake up from that dream. They'll go share it with that person. That person is delivered. These are deliverance dreams where God begins to release understanding of what's going to set somebody free or set a church free or set a people group free that there's something there. We spent a lot of times that, that ministers will go to a church or a different area and they'll they'll discern that there's a stronghold there. And they'll pick up on it and it may come in a dream or a vision and then they can come now, bring that revelation to that church, and that church once they receive that revelation, that stronghold starts coming down. That revelation brought the breakthrough. These are deliverance dreams or visions. And the last one in this category before I move on is things that are from the devil. Not every supernatural dream is going to be from God. Sometimes the devil will give dreams, okay? These are what's called satanic dreams. They may be in the way of nightmares or something sexually perverted or in some way tormenting. These type of dreams are not from the Lord. They're from the, the demonic, okay? Okay? And God wants to free you from that. All right, let me read you some things. Jeremiah 29, verse 8 says, Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. Let me explain that one. There's certain people that they get phone calls. This happens. This may be hard for you to believe, but it happens. They have some kind of prophetic gifting. And they'll get phone calls and they'll say, the person that's calling them will say, if you come and if you give so many such and such visions and you'll you have so many prophetic words, and if you'll do this, that, and the other, we will pay you such and such money. And it's like the, a profit for hire. This happens. And based on how many revelations they release. And so there's no way that what they're getting is going to be from the Lord. It's going to be tainted and polluted. But it's what is in people are encouraging them to have these visions revelation so they come up with stuff some people that are prophetic they they can and I'm not talking about something necessarily from the Lord but sometimes they can see things in people and because their reputation is to be prophetic they'll just kind of come up with a word you hear what I'm saying but it's out of the soul it's not something that the Holy Spirit gave them it's out of the soul and the scary thing is it can be accurate information because they can see things these are things that where people are encouraged to get revelation but it's not from the lord it's something that they're coming up with there's certain people that have a reputation to be a prophet or whatever prophetess so they feel like everywhere they go they have to have a word let me give you some advice If God gives you something, then release that. But don't try to come up with something on your own. Amen? If God gives you something, wonderful. But don't just start coming up with stuff. And don't let people try to get you to just come up with stuff. When people tell me, are you you getting something from the Lord? And if I'm not, I say no. I don't care what they think about me. It's like, no, I didn't get anything but if I did get something I'll tell him if the Holy Spirit releases me to tell him but I'm no fool I don't say everything God shows me learn from Joseph we laugh about it but seriously alright we'll give you an interesting story in the Bible I read this story man I've you know we've all read the story before but you read back over just shaking your head good grief how's this happen alright This is a powerful story. And it has to do with a prophet. Okay, this is not in y'all's notes, but just give me your best here, and I'll read it. By the word of the Lord, a man of God came from Judah to Bethel. Now here's what happened. After King David died, Solomon inherited the throne. When Solomon died, his son Rehoboam inherited the throne. But Israel and Judah had split. So God had allowed Jeroboam to be over Israel, but Jeroboam was afraid that if the people of Judah, I'm sorry, if the people of Israel kept doing what the Bible says and would go down to the temple of the Lord and worship, that their hearts would be turned back to David. So Jeroboam was afraid that he would lose his kingdom. And so what he did, this is deliberate. What he did was he set up an idol and Dan the northern part and down in the southern part, the Sheba area. He set up these idols and these altars where they could go pray to other gods. And he did it on purpose because he did not want the children of Israel going to the temple and worshiping the Lord because he was afraid that they would turn away from him and follow after David's descendants. So this is what's going on. So this man of God, a prophet, was sent by God from Judah to Bethel. Which is, I'm sorry, that must have been where the other um, altar was. And as Jeroboam was standing by this altar to make an offering. Now remember, he's making an offering to false gods. They're burning incense. They're sacrificing to false gods. While Jeroboam the king was there and he was participating in this, the word of the Lord came through this prophet and he cried out. I want you to notice some things. He cried out against the altar. And he spoke to that altar and he said, altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son named Josiah will be born to the house of David. On you, he will sacrifice the priest of the high places who make offerings here. And human bones will be burned on you. That same day, the man of God gave a sign. This is the sign the Lord has declared. That altar will split apart and ashes will be poured out from it. He's speaking this to the altar. The king's standing there. When King Jeroboam heard what the man of God cried out against the altar at Bethel, he stretched out his hand from the altar and said, Seize him. But the hand that he stretched out toward the man of God shriveled up, became crippled so that he could not pull it back. This is a pretty strong confrontation between the Lord and some evil activity right here. So the altar, listen, when his hand shriveled, when the king's hand shriveled, also the altar right there split in two and ashes poured out according to the sign given by the man of God by the word of the Lord. So the king said to the man of God, intercede with the Lord your God and pray for me that my hand may be restored. So the man of God prayed for him And the Lord restored his hand. The king said to the man of God, come home with me for a meal and I'll give you a gift. This is important. Watch this. But the man of God said to the king, even if you were to give me half of your possessions, I would not go with you, nor would I eat bread or drink water here. For I was commanded by the word of the Lord. You must not eat bread or drink water. You will return by the way, or, or, I'm sorry, or return by the way you came. So those three conditions, he said, you will not eat bread there, you will not drink water there, and you will not return the same way that you came. You're going to go a different route home. Those were the three conditions, okay? So the, the man of God, the prophet, took another road and did not return by the way he had come to Bethel. Now there was a certain old prophet living in Bethel whose sons came and told him all that the man of God had done there that day. They also told their father what he had said to the king. The father asked them, which way did he go? And his son showed him which road he took. He said to his son, saddle a donkey for me. So they saddled the donkey for him, and he mounted it, and he rode off after the man of God. He found him sitting under an oak tree and asked him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am. So the old prophet said to him, come home with me and eat. Now, what did God tell this guy to do? Don't eat there. All right. The man of God said, I cannot turn back and go with you, nor can I eat bread or drink water with you in this place. I have been told by the word of the Lord, I must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way that I came. So the old prophet answered him, I, too, am a prophet as you are. And an angel said to me by the word of the Lord, bring him back with you to your house so that he may eat bread and drink water. But he was lying to him. This was a false revelation. So the man of God returned with him and ate and drank in his house. This isn't the end of the story. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the old prophet. The Spirit of God came upon the old prophet, the liar. Okay, And the old prophet cried out to the man of God who come from Judah. And now he's giving a, a true prophecy. He said, This is what the Lord says. You have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the command the Lord gave you. You came back and ate bread and drank water in this place where the Lord told you not to eat or drink. Therefore, your body will not be buried in the tomb of your ancestors. Things had to have gotten awkward after that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> think, think, about, think about the meal after. I mean, you know. All right. So, anyway, verse 23. When the man of God had finished eating and drinking, the prophet who had brought him back saddled his donkey for him, and he went on his way. Now listen, a lion met him on the road and killed him. His body was left lying on the road with both the donkey and the lion standing beside it. Some people who passed by saw the body lying there with the lion standing beside the body, and they went and reported it in the city where the old prophet lived. (coughs) When the old prophet who had brought him back from his journey heard of it, he said, it is the man of God who defied the word of the Lord. The Lord has given him to the lion, which has mauled him and killed him, as the word of the Lord had warned him. The, prophets, the old prophet said to his son, saddle a donkey for me, and, then, and then they did so. Then he went out and found the body lying on the road the, with the donkey and the lion beside it. And the lion had neither eaten the body nor mauled the donkey. So, I mean, it was just sent by the Lord, the lion was. It, was, you know, it had an assignment, and it went you know, on its way. So the prophet picked up the body and laid it on the donkey and brought it back to his city to mourn for him and bury him. Then he said, then he laid the body of the of the man of God in his own tomb and they mourned over him and said, Alas, my brother. After burying him, he said to his sons, When I die, bury me in the grave where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones for the message he declared by the word of the Lord against that altar in Bethel and against the shrines on the high places in the towns of Samaria will certainly come true. I think the old man felt bad. <laughs> you know what't you have so he let him be buried in his own tomb you know what a dumb thing to do but the old listen that's the point is is that you you got to be careful who you listen to when you hear clearly from the Lord like that you can't listen to other people and this old man was lying and sucked him into something and got him killed Zechariah 10 2. The idols speak deceitfully, diviners see visions that lie, they tell dreams that are false, they give comfort in vain, therefore the people wander like sheep oppressed for lack of a shepherd. I was reading this story in the Bible the other day about Elisha. You remember Elisha got a double portion from Elijah? And the sons of the prophets hung around Elisha? And there was this story where the sons of the prophets were going to make this big dinner. And they were going to make some stew. Okay, So the sons of the prophets go out to gather wood and gather whatever it is they're going to put in the big pot of stew. One, one of the sons of the prophets had gathered some wild gourds and different things like that, cut them up, put them in the stew. They cook the stew. They're all eating the food. And all of a sudden, one of them realizes this uh, stew is poison. Okay, So he cries out, Lord, this the pot has death in it. And so Elisha understood this was a serious situation. And Elisha prayed over it. They had sprinkled maybe some cornmeal or something in there, but he had prayed over it and it cleansed the pot and the food was clean. Let me tell you, when you've got the sons of the prophets and you've got people that are spiritually immature, a lot of times they go out gathering and they gather some things that are good to eat and they gather some things that are not good to eat. You hear me? And it takes a seasoned prophet of the Lord to help protect them from that y'all getting this that's why I'm telling you there's some wonderful things out there but there's also some things that are not of God and you've got to be discerning to know the difference don't just swallow everything that comes to you claiming to be from the Lord so what is the making of a prophet number one spending time with God a friend of God you remember the story of Elijah where he was depressed. He had been attacked by Jezebel. That's not fun. Amen. And so he had come under that oppression. And an angel gave him food. And on the strength of that food, he went 40 days and went back to Mount Horeb, where he knew that God first appeared to the children of Israel. Mount Sinai it was in that area. He went to Mount Horeb and he was looking for an encounter with God. And there he was in the cave. And God spoke to him and said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he gave his sob story. You know, Lord, they've killed all your prophets. I'm the only one left. How many have ever felt that way? I'm the only one. But there was more. I'm the only one, Lord. Everybody else is dead. And they want to kill me too. Now listen to this. There was a violent wind that came and shattered rocks. There was a fire. There was an earthquake. But Elijah knew that the Lord wasn't in it. And then Elijah heard this still small voice. And Elijah said, oh, that's it. He puts on his prayer shawl, walks out there, and and talks with God. Elijah had learned to discern the Lord's voice. A true prophet of God knows that sometimes there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of spitting and yelling. There's some cartwheels or whatever. And people are really into it, and it's not God. There's some, thus says the Lord, yelling, the top of their voice, the vein pops out of their forehead. They're done, they're sprinkling oil on everybody, you know. They're shouting, and they know that's not God. They know, and but they know they know the Lord's voice. The true prophet of God knows. But let me give you some things about this story. It's important when you get a word from the Lord. Please hear me. It's important that it is spoken, not necessarily that it's spoken um, flippantly. But it needs to be vocalized. When God gives you a prophetic word, you can't just sit on it. You've got to open your mouth and speak it because once that word is released out of your mouth, it man, it has awesome power. It releases something. It sets something in motion. You remember when God gave that that man from Judah the word of the Lord against that altar, he didn't just go there and sit down and think, One of these days, I've heard. You know, he didn't he spoke out. And here's the other thing. He didn't just speak out, but he spoke to the altar. Isn't that interesting? Why didn't he speak to the king? Why didn't he speak to those? Why didn't he get up like a sermon? Say, okay, everybody, I have heard the word of the Lord. Gather unto me now as I share this. No, he, he looked at the altar. God had spoken to him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to destroy that altar. And he went and he put his finger toward that altar. And he spoke out against that altar. That set something in motion. And it wasn't long after that, that altar split. You see what I'm saying? The power of the prophetic word is in the speaking of it and getting it out of your mouth. Reinhard Bonnke says, God told him, God told him, my word in your mouth is just as powerful as my word in my mouth. Think about it. You've got to get it out of your mouth, the word of the Lord. It's important to obey the voice of the Lord, like this young prophet that came. God God was clear. You know, he wasn't confused about the instructions. He repeated them multiple times. Yeah, I heard from God. I cannot eat here, drink here. I must go a different route home. Yet, he disobeyed the word of the Lord. It cost him his life. Be careful to not listen to counterfeit voices and false prophecies. Are you hearing me? Usually these counterfeit voices and false prophecies are critical or condemning to you or to someone else. They're critical and condemning. Satan attacks the prophetic ministry with a Jezebel spirit, either in opposition to it or as a counterfeit. Let me explain that. And I'll say this too, and then I'll explain both of them at the same time. Satan attacks the prophetic ministry also with a python spirit. But this is how the devil works. If he cannot directly oppose the word of God and oppose the prophetic ministry, then what he'll do is he'll try to offer a counterfeit and through that counterfeit deceive people into taking things and eating things that are not of God. And you've got to be really careful with this. I knew knew a young man of God one time that I would consider to be prophetic. But his wife was listening to something that was not of God. It's a true story. And began to go against the leadership of a church. And this young man was kind of stuck in a situation where the leadership was moving with the Holy Ghost, but his wife was listening to another. But he made the wrong decision and he went with his wife it was disastrous. You got to be careful because whenever somebody's listening to a counterfeit demon, they're not trying to just that demon is not just trying to destroy them, it's trying to destroy a lot of people through them. You hear me? Make sure that you're moving with the Lord. We've got to honor the prophetic ministry. I love the prophetic ministry. And even though I honor the prophetic ministry and I honor true prophets and I honor the, the prophetic word of the Lord, I do not just swallow everything out there. There's not everything out there is of the Lord. There's even true prophets, though, that sometimes, listen, you gotta, you got to stay pure. There's not the love of money that's going to influence a prophecy, there's not the pressure of the people. If you get something from God, great. If you don't, so what? Just move with God. You don't have anything to prove to anybody but Him. Alright, so the warning. You remember Solomon? It's another good story about a vision or a dream. Solomon asked God for great wisdom when God appeared to him in a dream. And God was pleased with that. But Solomon's encounter with God came in a dream. But Ecclesiastes, later in life, Solomon wrote this. He talked about a warning about dreams, and he said, "For in the multitude of dreams there is vanity. When you have great revelation, you got to guard yourself seriously from spiritual pride." You now, people are always praying that they want more revelation, more revelation. Okay, but it can lead to a lot of spiritual pride, where somebody gets lifted up with pride. All of a sudden, they know more. Than their authority, they know more than everybody else. They're, they're the ones hearing from God now. The authority's not hearing from God. They're hearing from God. But what it is, is what the Bible calls vanity. It's spiritual pride. Amen? It's spiritual pride. And a lot of these dreams and visions now, because of the pride or whatever, it's not even from the Lord anymore anyway. Now, I love this as I close. The Bible says in Judges 13, 35, the spirit began in Samson's life, began to move in his life. But I'll come back to Samson shortly. He didn't honor and cherish the anointing. But I want you to catch this. This is why I close with But I really want you to catch this. This is, this is something I believe will change your life. I want you to really think about it. Many times, the way things begin for you in your ministry is also the way that they're going to be in regards to your destiny. I want you to follow me, because this is important. David was a shepherd out in a field. Picture this. His sheep all around him he was responsible for. He protected the sheep from the lion and the bear that he attacked and killed. God anointed him where? When he was out there as a shepherd. The Bible says the Spirit of God came upon him in power from that day forward. Then he killed Goliath. Goliath was a Philistine. Now think about it. This was David's youth. This is his encounter with God. He was a shepherd. He protected the sheep. He killed a Philistine. The Spirit of God come upon him in power. This is his encounter. Later in life, many years later, David now was a shepherd of Israel. The sheep were no longer animals. Now they were God's people. He was a shepherd of Israel as the king. He was also a great warrior that protected the sheep from the enemies of God. And just like he killed Goliath, his greatest enemy was the Philistines. He killed the Philistines. But how things began with David is also how things ended up in his destiny. Let me give you another example. The life of Moses. Moses came out of Egypt on his own. He went to the backside of a desert. He was trained by Jethro, who was a priest of Midian. And that was under the order of Melchizedek. You guys know about this. Anyway, he was trained in that. Then he had an encounter with a burning bush. This was his encounter with God. Now, follow me in this. This is how things began with Moses. This is where God began moving in his life, was at that burning bush. Now, because God had visited Moses like that, now moses could go back to egypt where he had already come out of he could take a nation out of egypt into the desert he could teach them like a priest between what's right and wrong like was taught him and what did he do he took them to mount sinai where they saw a blazing fire on the top of a mountain where they had an encounter with god as a nation Are you seeing what i'm saying moses his encounter with god prepared him for his destiny where he led people into that same encounter. Modern day examples. You know, Rodney Howard Brown was in Africa and he had cried out to God so desperately and God touched him and he he, he was struck to the ground and, and was baptized in fire and, and stayed on it for like three days. It was an awesome encounter with God. But then, there were years where, where he was just teaching in a Bible school. and But that was... Rodney's burning bush. Later on in life, he brought people to that same fire. You see what I'm saying? The way things began, a lot of times is the way things will end up in your life. My life was powerfully touched my encounters, but God go back to revival. And now that's what's prevalent, is that revival fire anointing. Just remember that. But Samson did not cherish the anointing on his life. It cost him everything. He lost his vision. He lost his destiny, his ministry, his wife, and ultimately his life. Delilah was the Jezebel that destroyed him. And Jezebel is the enemy to the true prophets. And what I feel the Lord's saying is that he's wanting to clear out counterfeit things. You have to be careful about counterfeit voices from the enemy that pretend to be the Holy Spirit because it's it's very condemning and oppressive against you. Are you hearing me? People that listen to these things, many times they feel very condemned. They feel oppressed. But also, it can be extremely critical in accusing of other people. And so you've got to be careful that when people are being critical towards you, that you understand the spirit behind it. But also, people need to understand that that's not the Lord. The fruit of these spirits a lot of times is very condemning and the person will feel condemned but also critical of others and ultimately divisive. They try to tear up relationships. What God's wanting is He's wanting a real move of His Spirit in these dreams in Revelation and prophecy but He's also wanting to make sure that you get a balanced diet here and that you know what's of Him and what isn't and that you're not sucked into something weird. Remember when I preached on angels? I told you that's real and it's wonderful but I also gave the warnings at the same time. you got to have a balance. You don't just want to just embrace and swallow everything that comes your way that claims to be prophetic because the devil will sow some things in there that's not of God. You need to discern that. So what I want to do is I want to pray just corporately and deal with this corporately that God extract down and remove anything that's counterfeit. Well, let's move into the real, where it's clear. Amen. How many want to hear the clear voice of the Lord? I remember this story. It's a true story about a powerful man of God who's a pastor. He's actually an incredible man of God. If I told you some stories, it would blow your mind. And He was going into a store one time and the Lord spoke to him to go witness to two guys. Now these two guys, do you guys know what scaffolding is that they put up around a building? Whenever they're building a building, they put up the scaffolding that has layers and people can climb up on the layers and they're laying brick or whatever. So they're up in the air, okay? And God spoke to him to go witness these two guys. They were standing right there. But he felt to himself, he said, you know, I don't know that that's the Lord. And so he went into the store. And he did what he needed to do, bought whatever. And as he was coming out, there was an ambulance and there was the lights going. Those two guys had fallen and had died. True story. And he determined in himself, he said, I want to know the voice of the Lord so clear that I will never, ever miss God like that again the rest of my life. And you know, later on in his life, you know what people said about about him? They said that man knew the voice of God. He had determined that he was going to know the voice of the Lord and he was not going to listen to a counterfeit. He, was, he wanted the real. I think some people are so hungry for anything supernatural that they're willing to swallow anything. It's good to be hungry, but don't be so hungry. It's like the sons of the prophets that start gathering in some things that are poisonous too. You know, we want the real. We want a move of God, but we want the real move of God. I don't want to settle for some cheap counterfeit. That's not going to help anybody. I want the real move of God. And when God really shows up, he doesn't need us over here trying to, to manipulate things. God is God, and when he comes, he can do what he wants to do. I remember before the, the revival in Brownsville, they were so desperate, and Pastor Kilpatrick said, you know, he said, I know that God can save, and if he can save, I'm desperate to see him saved to the uttermost. And what happened in that revival? I know that God can heal. I want to see Him heal to the uttermost. I know that God can deliver. I I want to see Him deliver the most oppressed and demonized. I know that God can perform miracles. I want to see, and people are hungry and they're crying out for God. That's great, but don't swallow the counterfeit. Keep going after the real because the Bible says if you seek the Lord with all your heart, you'll find Him. Just keep going after Him with all your heart, you'll find Him. So I'm going to lead you guys in a prayer to get rid of any counterfeit and then we'll pray for those that want prayer, okay? Everybody out loud pray this. Lord, I ask forgiveness for any counterfeit. Revelation, dreams, visions, listening to voices that are not of you, things that have been critical, accusing, Condemning. It wasn't your voice. Forgive me, Lord. Wash me in your blood. I renounce these things. I take authority. In the name of Jesus. I break off my life. Every counterfeit. Any curse. Any work of the devil. I break it now. In Jesus' name. I bind the counterfeit spirits, lying spirits, and I command you, in the name of Jesus, be bound and go from me, in my family, in my ministry, in my destiny, my health, my finances, right now and forever. Lord, we thank you for that breakthrough. I just feel the word of the Lord right now that there's some people that have been asking, why is this stubborn? Why is Listen, when a python comes in, a python tries to wrap around and constrict. There's maybe some people that have said, why has it been so hard about my finances breaking free? Why has it been so hard about health? Why has it been so hard about different things? I feel the Lord saying that it, it with some people, not everybody, but some people, that it's this python. It's a counterfeit. The Python spirit is a spirit of divination. It pretends to be the voice of the Lord and it's not. And when people listen to it, it starts wrapping around and suffocating them spiritually. That's what the Bible says. It's a spirit of divination. So we're going to break that off. And what I want you to do is I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but it's not fear that's going to get this out of your life. It's faith in the Lord that's going to get you free. So here's what I want you to pray. When everybody say this out loud, Jesus. Jesus I bind a python spirit. I bind the Forgive me for listening listening. or any communication or any any divination, ungodly religion religion, that was not of you. you. I break that off my life. I command that python spirit spirit, or a Jezebel spirit or or religious spirits, I bind you. you. Go now now. from me and my family family. in Jesus' name. And I ask you, Jesus, let me know your voice. Holy Spirit, let me know you. Know your presence. Know your voice. Know your leadings. Know your revelation. And help me to know when it's not of you. I pray in faith. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so what I want to do is just pray for people if you feel like something has been going on. Listen, these, these religious spirits that pretend to be the Holy Spirit, a lot of times they're, they are they can be really legalistic. Like I mentioned earlier, really condemning. Um, I know during revivals, people have had a burden. and I talked with this with someone else already. But there can be a counterfeit burden that's not from the Lord. It's a heaviness. It's a spirit of heaviness, and it pretends to be from the Lord, but it's not from the Lord. Be careful to not come under that type of heaviness. You know, and the and the voice of the enemy is full of fear. It also can be a voice that that is full of um, spiritual pride to puff you up with pride. Just understand that there's the lying of the enemy. It's a it's a lying spirit, a deception. Okay, and I want you to all of us to begin to distinguish and go to a new place, okay? That's where this thing is going. There's been a building over the last couple of years of great revival that's been going on in this ministry. It's been amazing. And, you know, God's been saving souls and all that. But I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, that there's a revival that is coming to America and coming to Dallas. And God's got some people that He's preparing a wineskin. And they're getting ready so when the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, they can handle what's coming. And those are the ones, just like in the histories that we read about that, that Brother Zach is doing such an amazing job teaching on, you're seeing there's always been a remnant in those times. It was dark, wicked, horrible times in the world, but there was always a remnant that went after God. With Edward Miller in Argentina, with, with Wesley and them, as they, they came together in that group and prayed, and, and, and Bonnie Bray Street and other revivals, they came together and sought God. It was a remnant, and God poured out His Spirit, and great revival came. And when revival came, a great harvest of souls, an outbreak of the Holy Spirit. That's what's in front of us. I'm telling you. Not only in front of River of Life, but in front of others that are going after God in Dallas too. That's what's coming to Dallas. And God's trying to prepare you. And He's been preparing you through these different series. But now, He's wanting to take you deeper where you know His voice, really know His voice. You know His leading. you You know His revelation. And you can distinguish between it and what's the counterfeit. Because there is a counterfeit. And let me tell you this, too. You're not going to know the difference by focusing on the devil. Did you know that bank tellers are told that you have to um, focus on the real and handle the real and look at the real and, and you know, the, the smell and the look of it over and over and over. And then whenever counterfeit comes, you'll know it. You know the counterfeit by focusing on the Lord. By the re- You know the real so well. And so you know the Lord's presence so well that when another presence comes, it's like, but that's not the Holy Spirit that I know. You know the Lord's voice so well that when a counterfeit voice comes, you're like, no, that's not the Holy Spirit that I know and spend time with that talks to me. That's something else. That's what God's wanting us to get, so familiar with the real that we can tell the, the what's not real pretty quick. And I told you guys that story about Dr. Cho. That woman came to his church, remember, was prophesying, and they were lining up, and he had a check in his spirit. He went home, prayed about it. The Lord said, no, it's a familiar demon. It's not the Holy Spirit. And he had to confront her. But see, that stuff tries to creep into the church. Before the Great Brownsville Revival, that group that came and that guy that preached, I've told you the story, and it was a counterfeit move of God. And John Kilpatrick shut it down, had all the guys come sweep the aisles and just sweep them out of the church. But you don't want to be so hungry that you're willing to accept the counterfeit. What if Dr. Cho would have let that woman keep prophesying that it was a familiar spirit? It would have been like Paul and Barnabas whenever Paul and Silas who it was whenever that woman kept crying out to them that had a demon. If they would have accepted her into their ministry and started letting her operate in divination, it would have brought a curse on the whole thing. So we've got to keep it pure. All right, Brzezak, can you put on some worship and we can shut down recordings. i want to pray for people. How many are hungry for more of the Lord? How many are hungry for a baptism of fire? Yes! Yes. (laughs) And... The joy of the Lord. I'm telling you, God's about to move in joy with some people and bring some healing. There's some healing. I'm prophesying this. There's some healing that is coming in the joy.